Hey guys, Chris Harry with you on a week 11 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view from Kansas City, courtesy of Chiefs beat writer Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star. Also a bit later, week 11 fantasy advice from Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. But first, a beat writer's roundtable previewing Monday Night Football in Mexico City. All right, guys, if I told you where we were right now, I don't know if you'd believe me. Where are we, Jeff Miller? Uh, I, I don't even know what this is. Is, it, is this a closet? Man, what is this? There's a giant uh, sound system or something. Video routing system, I believe. So, so we're in so Colorado TV Springs. We're at the Air Force Academy, but we're in a, a closet, if you will. We're just trying to find a space to do this little preview for Mexico City. Here with Kurt Sandoval, ABC7, Jeff Miller, LA Times. Gentlemen, I appreciate you roughing it in these conditions so we can talk a little Chargers football. Absolutely. Anything. Anything to help out the uh, Chargers. (laughs) Before we get into football, this is a homecoming for Kurt, and I know you've been doing a little running here. I have, and I've been following Kurt's uh, local knowledge, and it's been uh, it's been fantastic. I'm, you know, I've I've always thought that Kurt was pretty well. You know, grounded individual and kind of had his life together. But I'm trying to figure out why he left here. Like, what? <laughs> what why would you leave this place? I was young and stupid, Jeff. <laughs> it's I mean, gorgeous. Yeah. It, all, all kidding aside, my brother lives here. I have family up in Denver, and this was Colorado Springs is very high on the list of where I might retire, just because I'm an outdoors guy. Jeff Rannick, Garden of the Gods. Yeah, that's, on the, that's on the to-do list for me, by the way. And everywhere you go in Colorado Springs, you have a front row seat to Pikes Peak in the Front Range Mountains. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Um, Chargers have been here since Monday. Training in altitude for Mexico City, which is 2,000 feet higher than Denver, just your thoughts on the altitude. Has it hit you as, as a runner, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. And I've run in Denver a bunch of times and never really felt anything. So I think this is like next level stuff. And then from here, it's going to be even higher in Mexico City from what we understand. So I, I don't know that. And I think the the science would say that being here for a few days probably is going to make a big difference. But I, I think what Anthony Lynn said the other day was that there's this mental aspect of it that maybe it, it – you know, the gets out of your, you know, you, you've confronted it. So now when you get there, it's not like you're going through, you know, pregame warm-up and you can't catch your breath and you start to freak out. Because it, 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 you really can tell a difference. And uh, I, I think that part of it, it can't hurt, for, especially for some of these guys who maybe never felt that before. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure a bunch of guys on this team never really felt that. And even playing in Denver, I, it does seem like it's a different, it, it, an extra whatever it is, 1,000 feet. It, that makes a I, I think it seems like it makes even more of a difference. You covered the Broncos. Yeah, and, and as you guys have been there, they all have the signs. They have a sign when you walk out on the field here about the high elevation and it affects your performance. And when I both lived in Denver and covered the Broncos, you know, you have vivid memories of guys with the oxygen mask in the fourth quarter. But to your point, Jeff, I think there is an enormous mental emotional standpoint that um, guys' lungs are burning a little bit here. So whether, you know, I, I went to the Olympic Training Center and talked to some scientists there this week, and they're like, yeah, it is a two-week thing. However, that the higher you go, it is a very dramatic effect. I remember when I was young living here, and I hiked to the top of Pikes Peak, which is 14,000 feet, and literally when I got to like 12.5, I couldn't spit, mm. you know, it was, <laughs> and you get massive headaches. So... I think it's a a positive. This team needs all the positives it can get right now. That's right. I think the element of surprise, you don't want that in a game where 
you absolutely have to have it against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are six and four, Chargers four and six, and expectations obviously were sky high coming into this. Has not gone as planned through the first 10 games, but there's still an opportunity. You still got two games against the Kansas City Chiefs. Ironically, the first time that they're playing the Chiefs since they clinched the playoff spot last December. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Philip Rivers said uh, this week where it's it's pretty unusual to be four and six and still not only be in the conversation, but you in a in kind of a weird way you still sort of control things a little bit because they play the Chiefs twice. Right, it, and you get the Raiders one more time. Yeah, and it, it, as we all know, it, it ultimately is not going to matter if they if they don't start playing better and they don't start having start executing better and start to, starting to win these games at the end like we saw them win last year. They have they've other than the opener, they really haven't been able to do that this year. So. It, it might not ultimately matter, but it's, it is kind of weird that we're 10 games into what's been a pretty disappointing results-wise season for this team. And there's, there's still – you can't write them off. It's still no. – I mean, this game Monday's huge. And you, you'd think you had – you know, if the Chiefs were 9-1 and one or something right now, it might be like, well mm-hmm. – but, you know, they've had their issues too. So it's – you know, if the, if the Chargers can somehow figure out a way to win this game Monday, it, it, it gets really interesting in the division because now they're – they're only, a, you know, they're right. They're a game behind the Chiefs, and then in the middle there's the Raiders, and you know, it, it's, it, you know, if they can win this game, it's still everything's still there. You know, and Jeff, you asked Coach Lynn yesterday about turnovers. I think that's the number one thing. They are negative six. I think they're twenty sixth in turnover differential. And they didn't do that last year, Kurt. No, and you look at who's number one, New England. And surprise, surprise, and we're out at practice today here at the academy, and you see them working on the strip drill and. They've got to, A, defensively force some turnovers, and B, Phillip is struggling with turnovers. He's forcing the ball a little bit. And we all know he's first ballot Hall of Famer most likely, but he's struggling this year with turnovers, and it's a big part of what the correction process has to be. I think this team has to put it all together at the same time. You know, the running game, we started to see Melvin Gordon come on these last two weeks, but those turnovers kind of, wash that out. You spot the Raiders 10 points. You can't do that against any team, yet alone a division rival on the road. But I think this running game, the Chiefs, Derrick Henry ran all over Kansas City last week. I have to imagine running the football, keeping Patrick Mahomes off the football field is going to be top priority. Yeah, that. I mean, that's the, that's the uh, recipe, I think, right there is to control the ball control the clock. It's kind of what they did against the Packers when they played so yeah. well. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers isn't... That's they, the blueprint. Can't get the... You know, he's not on... If he's not on the field, if Patrick Mahomes isn't on the field... He can't beat And you. Hill and all those... All the guys with all that speed aren't out there. You don't have to worry about catching... Trying to chase those guys around because they're standing on the sideline. They're not, they're not even a part of the game. If you can do that, it, it greatly increases your chances because that team, we've seen it. They, you know, they... Anthony mentioned it... Or, yeah, it was Anthony yesterday said... You know, they get a two-yard completion, and it's a 50-yard touchdown. That's right. And so that's, that's what they do. They get those guys in space and, and see you later. Forget it. I mean, as athletic as some of these Chargers, DBs, and guys on defense are, it's a different, it's a different animal. It's a whole different situation with, with the speed that the Chiefs have. But that would be the, the way to do it, would be to control the ball, control the clock, keep those guys on the sideline, and, and let this game, and we've seen it, they you know, hang around, Keep it close, get in the fourth quarter, and then you, you, it's the old thing. You, you, know, you take your chances at that. I think that would be exactly what the Chargers would want to do. And that's the thing that they, even though they struggled again with the turnovers early against the Raiders and they dug themselves a hole again, they were right there. That was the surprising thing to me, mm-hmm. uh, seeing that they couldn't close there at the end. And Philip talked about it yesterday. It was, it was right there for them. 
But, you, Jeff, you said it earlier, this is a huge game. I mean, when you really think about it, and if they can and, – and cliche 101, one game at a time. But if they come out of Mexico with a win, they go to the bye week and potentially get Derwin James back for the Denver game – Man, this this could confidence could sway quite a quite a bit. It's amazing what one game or one moment can do in a season. And you know, a lot of these guys are going into the unknown, playing in Mexico City, have never played there before. But if they can get a win, get the five and six, to your point, Kurt, going into the bye, Denver up on deck. And Derek Watts said it to us yesterday. This is their playoffs. And oh, yeah. and remember after I've heard the, that from a lot of guys. Right. And remember after the Green Bay game when Philip said, I wish it wasn't this way, that we could play well when the expectations are high. But for whatever reason, this Charger team, when they're, you know, the cliche, everybody counts them out, that's when they start playing well. And that's exactly where they are now. There's a lot of teams, too, throughout the course of a 16-game season. You're going to have a three- or four-week funk. There's ebbs and flows to this. Last year, there wasn't really many. Right, you start right. one and two, but you lose to the Chiefs and the Rams, two teams who were, you know, Super Bowl contenders. The Rams went right. to the Super Bowl. Then you won all your games, you know. So you didn't really have the adversity that they have faced this year. But a lot of guys have been here, been here, done that. Philip Rivers, I think they talked about 2007, 2013, where this team was, you know, four and six, five and five, have rebounded to make the playoffs. And, and Philip has played some of his best ball in November, December. Yeah, it, it's there, you know, and we saw it against Green Bay. They, It's there. It's in there. What we saw last year, that Green Bay game was just like last season. Absolutely. And that, and so it's, it is in there. We know it's in there. And they have not had a ton of success against Kansas City the last stretch of years. I mean, they had that big win there last year. So maybe that win last year and, and the fact that uh, if they can get – you know, the thing is – they, they can't fall behind early. They've got to try, and, and like we talked about, they've got to try to, they've got to try to control the game and not let the Chiefs control the game because when that happens, it can get haywire pretty quick and that team can score. I mean, they, they scored 28 in the second quarter on the Raiders in week two, so they can explode, as we know, and the, the Chargers just have to keep the game in their hands and not let that happen. You know, the, I, I'm a huge fan in sports of the mental, emotional side of everything because it doesn't show up in statistics and to me that's the biggest issue going into this game is if they do fall behind what happens if there's a pick six early are they woe is me here we go again or is it like the Packers game that they get up they get confident they play well because yes they were 12 and 4 last year but were they a 12 and 4 team I mean you could really go back and say how many close games did they win they did something right to the thinnest of margins in right. the NFL court. And, and you could look back to this season, some of the games that they lost this season no that they question. could have won. And it's just a one play here or there can There's change seven the course. seven and three, of, if, yep. honestly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Kurt, we do this every week on the roundtable. You're new to it. A player to watch, a player you're watching that you think could potentially impact the game in a favorable manner for the Chargers. I'm going to go for – I've always been told I've got a really firm grasp of the obvious. <laughs> Philip Rivers. I really, I love the man personally, but he has to play well. When he plays well, when you look at that Steelers game, pick six, they're behind earlier, he has to play well. 
he has to because it controls everything else. It controls the mental emotion. It controls if they get ahead. It controls the turnover ratio. It controls the ball control. Philip Rivers. Yep. Jeff? Uh, I am going to go with a feel-good story that uh, we all could be revisiting here is, is Michael Davis, who uh-huh. is, going, is going home in a sense. He, uh, his, his mother is Mexican. He's spent a lot of time in that area. So I know it's a huge game for him. He's really fired up about it. And so it, it has the makings to be Monday Night Football, a divisional game and all that stuff. And if he can – I mean, how perfect it would be for him to make a play. Get his hands uh, on the football. Uh, you know, and, and he, you know, the, before the season started, was so he, he's so adamant and he wants to get interceptions. He's got one so far. And he, it would be, it, it, you know, it's probably the, uh, what the writer, the journalist and me <laughs> hoping that this is be such a perfect story for all of us. Right. So it probably won't happen. But I'm going to go with Michael and just hope that we have this great story that Love we all it. can uh, – we all can talk about and write about uh, Monday night. Well, they're both fantastic because Michael Davis, you get a turnover, flip the field a little bit mm-hmm. for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, he dictates everything. You cannot turn the ball over against the Chiefs, point blank. I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon because of the running game and being able to sustain drives and keep that Chiefs offense off the field, especially when you're down offensive linemen. As we tape this, we don't know if Russell Kuhn's going to play. Right. So a lot is going to be put on Melvin's shoulders to maybe carry the load without some offensive linemen there to help him. So if Melvin can be the guy we saw against the Raiders and the Packers, Chargers have a great chance of winning it. You know, I I want to just kind of close on my end. We started with Jeff running. Uh, you saw he saw a deer. He saw he sees a bunch of deer just out jogging in a normal neighborhood. Dare I say? The Chargers cannot have deer in the headlights if they get <laughs> they get behind in this game. That's it. <laughs> see, that is the professional. See, that's, I, that's why he's a veteran. It's that he bringing is a veteran. it all together. That, bringing it all know, together. That's why he's on TV, and, and I, you know, I'm in a closet talking to you. <laughs> I love it. Are you guys excited for Mexico City? I am a little bit. Yeah. No, I think, I've never been there, so I think it'll be Ditto. great. Yeah. I, I, and I just hope when I'm running, I don't see any deer there. That was, <laughs> I think then we'd have a problem. You know, I, I think you might want to try the treadmill in Mexico City. I'm yeah. Just no deer in the headlights for Jeff Miller in Mexico City. Gentlemen, thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it takes to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No fake. I hate fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, to get this week's opposing view presented by Mercury Insurance, we're going to bring in Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star Sam does a great job covering the Chiefs, and the spotlight is on Mexico City Monday night, Sam. What are the Chiefs saying about playing the Chargers for the first time this season? Yeah, you know, they've had a a, a bit of a different schedule this week, pushing everything back a a day because of of the Monday night game. So I think more than anything right now, this team's focused more on getting itself healthy because that's not something they've been basically since about the first quarter of the season opener against Jacksonville when Tyreek Hill went down. So um, it, it's a lot more about correcting their mistakes right now. They made a lot of them in the last two minutes of that game against Tennessee to cost themselves a win. And 
suddenly now when going into play a division foe, you've got a division race on your hands. So um, it's going to be a really interesting last six, seven weeks of the season here in the AFC West. And I think both of these teams, there's some parallels, Sam. The the offensive lines for both the Chargers and the Chiefs have been beaten up this year. They both played the Titans in Tennessee and had some crushing defeats late. Uh, and I think both teams, frankly, think their records should be better, right? So, so what are the yeah. Chiefs? What's the Chiefs' mentality going into a game against an AFC opponent coming off a loss to the Titans? Yeah, I think you could probably sort of like you mentioned uh, compare who had it worse at the end of the game in Tennessee. Yeah, because uh, they both had to leave Tennessee thinking they should have had a win. Obviously, everybody there knows how that, that Chargers game played out, but. The Chiefs game, I felt like there was about eight boxes, and they only needed to check one of them to get a win in the last two minutes there, and everything went wrong, just a colossal of mistakes. So I think it's going to be interesting because that locker room after the game left with an impression that this loss hurt more than their previous three did, and it's going to take a little bit of work. And when I say work, I mean mental work, a mental grind to, to bounce back from that one that, that I think the previous three have. Let's go back to this Chiefs offensive line. What are they doing to prepare for Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram? And do you think they're going to get some guys back? Yeah, I don't know that, uh, that any NFL team has figured out yet how to, uh, how to prepare for those two guys. <laughs> it's tough, yeah. Um, there, there has been a little bit different personnel uh, recently in Kansas City. They played the, the second tight end a little bit more, Blake Bell. And I think it's because on the left side with Eric Fisher being out since week two with a sports hernia that they've needed help over there to, to block the edge pass rushers. So if it's going to be Cam Irving again, I think you'll see a little bit more of that. But Eric Fisher returned to practice last week in a limited form, their left tackle, and it's possible they get him back this week. It's also possible they get their left guard back, uh, Dr. Lorenz Duvernay-Tardif, um, so they could be getting healthy at, at a good time playing those guys. Um, and then after that, they'll, they'll, they'll have the Raiders in a, a couple weeks later. But I think it's going to be tough, even if they are healthy, to block those two guys. That's been a key for the Chiefs all season. Um, because as you know, Patrick Mahomes has been hurt twice this year. Mm. And both times, uh, you know, uh, you could argue at least on the first one with the ankle injury, when he injured that, both times he injured it. It's because of a lack of protection on the offensive line. Well, he came back last Sunday like he never left. How is this offense different, Sam, than it was last year? You know, you have a lot of the same household names, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and obviously Mahomes. You bring in the, the rookie Hardman from Georgia. You have a, kind of a revolving door at, at the running back position. In, in what ways is this offense different? Well, to me, it's what you just said last there, which is they haven't settled on a, on a go-to guy at running back. You know, basically since... Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, they kicked him off the team halfway through last season. They haven't had a guy. And last year down the stretch, Damian Williams became that guy. And you thought going into the season, he would sort of pick up where he left off, perhaps with getting some time under Andy Reid's offense under his belt that he might improve even more. And it just hasn't been the case. Uh, The past couple weeks, you've seen some signs that maybe he's getting back. They they rested LaShawn McCoy last week, which is – 
but as you know, a, a rarity in the NFL to see a guy just, just held out of the lineup purely for rest because he said he's not getting any younger. Yeah. Or Andy Reid said, well, That's like an McCoy's NBA move, getting... Sam. That's like an NBA it move. It is. It's a load, it's load management, It's load right? management, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I really I, – I think that they, they've got to figure out that running back position if they want to get, get clicking on all cylinders the way they were last year. And that hasn't been the case yet in the first 10 weeks. Defensively, the Chargers have not seen this Chiefs defense led by Steve Spagnolo. How would you assess how the defense has played through the first ten weeks? Well, you can't you can't see me through the phone, but I'm basically shrugging my shoulders here because it just depends on the week. Yeah. That for the first five or six weeks of the season, you thought, how is this defense any better than it was in 2018? Which, of course, was the reason they weren't able to get to the Super Bowl last year. Then you saw a three week stretch where they were great. They were fantastic in Denver on the game that Mahomes left. Uh, even though the scoreboard showed 31 points against Green Bay, they were pretty good in that game. Uh, they were very good against Minnesota the following week. And you thought three straight weeks, maybe that's enough to call it a trend. Maybe they're, they're showing some signs that they can win you a game even, even when necessary because they got the ball back for the offense late in that Minnesota game. All of a sudden last week against Tennessee, a Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee team it, it was sort of back to the, the problems that we discussed here in Kansas City for the first month and a half of the season. So um, it, it, it's, it's hard to figure out exactly what you're going to get with this group right now. You know, about three or four weeks ago, I probably would have said the biggest thing that the Chiefs need to do to stop the Chargers offensively is shut down Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. After the last couple of weeks, the way Melvin Gordon has run the football and what Derrick Henry was able to do last week, I think it may be stopping number 25. I think that's where it starts always for, for the Chiefs. And, and as good as Melvin Gordon has been, like you mentioned, I, I think some guys when they come back, you know, when they haven't been playing, they can pick up right where they left off. Some, some people need to knock the rust off. And it seems like Melvin Gordon, based on what you saw last week, Thursday against the Raiders, that he's getting better. And so to me, but it doesn't matter who's back there running back, who this team's playing. It, I mean, Marlon Mack ran for all over 100 yards. Carlos Hyde topped over, I think, 130 against Kansas City. And they traded him for a, a, a basically a sixth or seventh round pick, guy that had been taken late in the draft that same year. I mean, he was going to be cut off the roster. So it, there's a lot of guys capable of topping 100 yards against this Chiefs defense if they don't get their act together. And it's, They've got to adjust their personnel because of it. Once they start doing that, then those other guys you mentioned, the Hunter Henrys, the Keenan Allens, those guys can become big factors because they've got better matchups on the outside all of a sudden. You know, I think I started to notice this when, when the Colts beat the Chiefs earlier in the year, just the time of possession and keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. And I think really the formula for any team that wants a chance to beat the Chiefs is to establish the run and sustain drives and keep Mahomes off the field. Have you seen that as a concerted effort this year from the opponents? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's kind of funny. You kind of hit a nerve there because we had an argument about this in the press box on Sunday Uh-oh. watching that game. What's, what side am I on? <laughs> uh, well, I so I actually think time of possession is a bit overrated um, and uh, because the Chiefs dominated time of possession against the Tennessee Titans and, and lost that game. Um, I look a little bit more at just actual physical number of plays that you run um, and they've been getting beaten both most most of the season. But but you're right. I mean, with Patrick Mahomes, it is a little bit different, and maybe it's a little bit more important because you want to keep him off the field and just have him run as few plays as possible, so the clock running 
mean something in that case. But right now, I think you've seen some teams that just simply find a weakness in the defense more than wanting the clock to run. And that is that this team hasn't been able to stop the run. Tyreek Hill is a thorn in anybody's side. What have teams done to try to eliminate him from a game? Because it's it's much easier said than done. And, and since he's been back, it doesn't seem like a lot of teams have figured it out. Yeah, so the, when Tyreek Hill was out for, for a few weeks there um, with, with the shoulder injury, everybody ran man-to-man against Kansas City. And they pressed, pressed the receivers. Uh, they had only one safety over the top. And they didn't really concern themselves with, with getting beat that much. And Patrick Mahomes is as good as anybody in the NFL statistically against zone defense, but he wasn't seeing any of it. Once Tyreek Hill came back, all of a sudden teams had to play cover two. They had to account for the deep ball. And so not only has Tyreek Hill put up great numbers, but almost last week you wondered if Tennessee even knew he existed the way they tried to defend. At one point, Tennessee had a linebacker on a one-on-one in the mm, flat. You can't do that. Which obviously is not going to work. Um, but Travis Kelsey has been significantly better since Tyreek Hill came back, and that's not a coincidence because teams were double-teaming him and just forgetting about the guys on the outside. So it's not just Tyreek Hill. It's what he does for the offense as a whole whenever he's out there. Sam, I ask this every week to the opposing writer. If you can give me a, a guy or, or maybe two guys that are a little bit under the radar on the Chiefs that you think could possibly affect this game on Monday night. I think the, the number one key for Kansas City is going to be the health of Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle. He saw his snap streak broken, and I, I think he was at 7,800 consecutive snaps without missing one to start his NFL career, the longest streak in the league. He had to come out for three plays, and then he came back and played in the second half against Tennessee. But you know he's not fully healthy when he has to come out at all, and it's a little bit of a, a knee issue, an MCL issue. And going against those two guys you've already mentioned, with Bosa and Ingram, his health is going to be a key because they brought him here to Kansas City specifically to shut guys like that down. He's been successful doing it against Von Miller, also a division guy, as you know. And I'm interested to see if he's healthy enough. Can he neutralize one of those guys? And then you can put the help help on the other side. Sam, how do you think the altitude's going to affect this game? I think I saw Patrick Mahomes joking that he could throw the ball about 100 yards in the thin air of Mexico City. <laughs> do you think it'll play? I'm not doubting him. Yeah, I'm not doubting him either. But how much of, of an effect do you think that'll be in this game? You know, if, if Melvin Gordon's running successfully a lot, I think it becomes a factor for the defense quite a bit. Mm. If, if they're tired and they got to be on the field a, a lot in this game, then, yeah, I, I think especially considering – the Chiefs are going to be without Emmanuel Ogba. He's probably out for the season with the torn pectoral. Uh, and you went into the season thinking Kansas City, if they were deep anywhere, it might be on that defensive line. And that depth has been ravaged by injuries. Now all of a sudden they're rotating less. Um, so if you've got to play the same guys a, a lot and they're, they're facing an overpowering uh, run, run attack, then, yeah, I think the altitude could be a difference. But um, – Typically, typically speaking, I think, you know, we see teams go to Denver. I know Mexico City has got uh, higher altitude than that, but I think it's a, it's a little bit overstated sometimes exactly how much of an effect that does have on the game because both teams are, are playing something that's unfamiliar to them. Sam, final thing for you, keys to the game. What do you think is going to decide this one between two teams that absolutely need wins on Monday night? I think, you know, I hate to be so cliche, but I think it's going to be both battles up the front. We've talked a lot about the Chiefs' offensive line versus the uh, the, the, the Chargers' edge rushers, but it's vice versa as well. 
That's right. You know, Frank Clark has not had the season that, that they brought him here to have. And he said in the locker room on Sunday, he's dealing with a bit of a pinched nerve. They gave him two weeks off, which basically was two and a half because it was after a Thursday game, to try and get healthy. If he can be a force, I, I think him and Chris Jones are going to be a tough matchup for that Chargers offensive line. So to me, for the, if I'm looking at it, from the Chiefs' perspective, it's, you got to neutralize those two guys we talked about. But from the Chargers' perspective, they're, they're going to have to slow down Chris Jones. And Man, I haven't seen a team be able to do that yet this season. He's something else. And as we talk, we don't know the status of the Chargers' Pro Bowl left tackle, Russell Kuhn, for this game. So that could be a big deal in this Monday night contest. <laughs> Sam McDowell, Kansas City star. You do great work, man. I look forward to seeing you in Mexico City. And I uh, hope you have a great week. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance, they can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Also, don't miss a minute of the action with the official LA Chargers app. Follow real-time stats, watch your favorite Bolts programming, and live local Chargers games all season long. Download today at chargers.com slash app. Geographic and device restrictions apply. Local and primetime games only. Data charges may apply. All right, welcome back. Here with a friend of the program, Matt Harmon, Yahoo Sports. And obviously, when Matt comes on, we talk fantasy football, and we're going to talk fantasy football week 11. But we have to start with something much more important. Nate Boyer and yourself, Matt, jumped out of a plane, and I need to hear all about it. I saw the video, and I suggest go to Matt's Twitter, check out the video. But you have to tell me how this all went down, man. Yeah, so, I mean, we want to do something pretty cool uh, as part of our uh, fantasy football live show leading into Veterans Day. We put the uh, video out on Veterans Day Monday morning. Um, basically, what we did, like, we had Nate Boyer on the show, and we had a little pitch to do something kind of fun for a couple of charities that he worked with. Obviously, Merging Veteran Players, big part of that. Uh, they do a partnership with uh, another charity called Operation Jump 22, which is to raise awareness and money for the uh, best, the 22 best a day who commits suicide. So in partnership with that, the, yeah, what Operation Jump 22 does is that they sponsor skydiving jumps for people to uh, to raise money and everything like that for, for these vets. So Nate and I decided to undergo the challenge ourselves. Um, obviously, Nate, as a former, if people are familiar with him, he was an NFL long snapper for a little bit, and he is probably more well-known as his work with the Marines. He's a uh, former Army Green Beret. So Nate has done uh, skydiving more than a few times. <laughs> he was experienced, he a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he has about 100 solo jumps, uh, I think, to his name, whereas I have straight zero. Uh, so it was a wild experience. It's definitely something that I never thought I would do, but uh, went up ahead and did it, and I'm, I'm glad we did it for a good cause. And yeah, people definitely can go check out the video. They, the team here at Yahoo Sports did such a good job editing it together. I mean, it really looks like an actual uh, feature movie. It was so well produced. What were you thinking when you were about to make that jump, Matt? I mean, let me tell you, Chris, like you don't really think about anything. Like it wasn't until probably Saturday, the night before I, I look over at my girlfriend. And I said, ah, or excuse me, Thursday, the night before, like right after the, the Thursday night football game, I look over and I say, 
I'm jumping out of a plane tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've known for a little bit you're going to jump out of a plane. I was like, there's going to be a moment when I, the plane door opens up and I look down at the California coast and I head towards it. <laughs> and, you know, thinking about that was one thing. But then when you're actually there and you're doing it, I mean, kind of like Nate says in the video at one point, like your, your nerves leave with you once you get out of the plane. And that really is the case. Um, it's just this an exhilarating feeling that I never, I can't really put into words. It's tough to describe, but like, I was definitely afraid. I was definitely nervous. But once you're like just tumbling out there, you feel so kind of like free. And I mean, even especially once the shoot comes up, you feel, you know, like it's very relaxing, just floating to the ground. Obviously you're not completely out of the wind yet. All, all puns intended, but it's really, an, I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. Well, you said it. it. It was so well produced. I actually felt like I was you. The way that yeah. it's all set up and taped, like you can almost like put yourself into Matt Harmon's shoes, if that makes sense. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, they did a great job of that. And it was funny because, you know, they sent a camera guy up with us. And by the way, this plane that you jump out of, you, you almost want to jump out of the plane. You're like, I'm not sure this thing's making it back to the ground. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a, a jetliner or something for like American Airlines, but um, you know, you, you're, you're in this plane, it's small and there's a cameraman that's just like, you know, he's got a camera in my face the entire time. And I'm almost like, I know myself, I'm like more of an internal warrior than like outwardly expressing things. I'm like, I hope I'm giving him enough, enough to work with, but I definitely feel the panic, uh, right up until the moment that you actually go out. Unbelievable. Well, I suggest everybody go check out that video. Um, you guys raise an awareness for the vets and everything that MVP is doing and Nate Boyer is doing. Uh, it was awesome. Really good stuff. So let's transition to fantasy, Matt. And four teams on a bye this week, the Packers, the Titans, the Giants, the Seahawks. I think at this point, you got to roll with the guys you got. But from a streaming perspective, let's say you have Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. We'll start a quarterback Anybody you like in week 11 to maybe sub in for those guys? Yeah, I think if Derek Carr is still available in your league, and I know I think he's available in about 44% of Yahoo League, so, or he's owned in about 44%. So, you know, that he's a, he's a guy that's more in your casual leagues. If he's still out there, I think he's got a great ceiling against the Cincinnati Bengals. We know that they can get run on. And I think Josh Jacobs is in line for a massive week against them playing at home as a favorite over a team that obviously hasn't won yet. But they give up big pass production, too, especially on deep plays. Going into last week's game, they gave up a 103.5 passer rating on throws that travel 15-plus yards in the air. And obviously, we saw Marquise Brown, a deep threat, sting them for a really nice touchdown that was a great throw by Lamar Jackson. So I think if you're looking for a streamer and Derek Carr is available, he's my top guy. I also like Nick Foles in his first start with the Jaguars since week one. Mm. You know, it, it feels like forever ago, but last time we saw Foles, he went five for eight, 75 yards in a touchdown on his really only appearance with the Jaguars. He looks pretty good operating a system that he's really familiar with, with John Filippo there. And while the Gardner Minshew experience was obviously made a lot by the presence that Gardner is on his own, I mean, he also reminded us, and it was good quarterback play, reminded us that there's a lot of players to unlock here in Jacksonville. You know, even if D.D. Westbrook is not healthy, he's a guy that I think most people know, but D.J. Chark is having a great season. Chris Conley has been a really nice pickup as a free agent, and Leonard Fournette is having a big-time season as a, as a workhorse running back. So there's a lot to like, and because of that, I think you can, you can use Foles as, as a streamer in, here in Week 11. 
it's interesting. And Foles probably available because there's really no sample size this year when it comes to Foles in this Jags offense. Running back, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Saquon Barkley, all those guys are on a bye this week. Anybody worth filling in? I know you mentioned the guy from Atlanta. Is it Brian Hill? Yeah, Brian Hill, I think if you picked him up this week, you want to use him right away Uh, because, you know, not only is he getting what's likely to be starter workload this week, uh, he's also in a really good matchup against the Carolina Panthers. We know the Panthers defend the pass really well. They're a top-five pass defense by most metrics, but they have really struggled on the ground. Obviously, they let up three touchdowns last week to Aaron Jones, and in terms of rush defense, DVOA, they're all the way at the bottom, 32nd in the league. So they're definitely one of those, you know, teams that dare you to run on them. Or, and and they, they give it up pretty well because they are very good on the back end. So I think if you, use, if you have Brian Hill, you're using him. And frankly, I'm not ruling it out that he's more of a longer-term play. Obviously, he has a matchup with the Bucks the week following this one. That's a bit tougher. You know, the Bucks are kind of the reverse of that. They, they do not let you run on them, but they do let you throw all over them. However, I think the Falcons really are kind of entering that evaluation mode of the season anyways. Their 2019 season has long since been over. They need to find out what kind of players are going to be on the roster next year. And I don't expect Devonta Freeman to be one of those. So even when he gets back from injury, I think he'll could factor in if he has a good run here the next couple of weeks. That's a great point. A nice pickup if, uh, if you need a running back as you hit the home stretch. What about wide receiver? I know you mentioned Rashard Higgins in Cleveland. Besides Higgins, anybody else? Yeah, Higgins is definitely an interesting one. But there's a lot of these guys. I mean, I, I mentioned Chris Conley with the Jaguars earlier. The, the Colts give up the sixth-highest completion rate in the league. They typically funnel targets more towards the middle of the field. But I still think you can use Chris Conley as a guy who has a great feeling, especially if you do really like that uh, that move to bring Nick Foles back into the lineup. You know, across across the industry, too, I think it's worth wondering what's going to happen in the Houston Texans wide receiver core. Is Will Fuller going to be back this week? Because Fuller is a guy who's a difference maker. You know, he's volatile, of course, like the Baltimore Ravens secondary is one of the more transformed units in the NFL. But if Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense can really get over on that Houston secondary, that is going to force the ball into the air for the Houston side as well. And that really leads you to a guy like Will Fuller or Kenny Stills in that regard since Kiki Cutie has really fallen out of favor and as a deeper play I know this is gross I know no one really wants to do it <laughs> but you got to look at a guy like Demarius Thomas going against Washington this game is not going to be exciting it's not going to be very high scoring but Demarius Thomas right now has as much opportunity he's being as productive as any of these other Jets receivers people love Robbie Anderson because of the big playability but he's kind of fallen out of favor in this offense because the pass protection is so poor Jamison Crowder can give you those little bunny hop receptions, but there have been weeks like last week when Demarius Thomas is just as productive as Jamison Crowder. So Crowder's got the revenge game appeal, of course, but I think Thomas, if you are desperate for a wide receiver play, he's a guy that's available pretty much everywhere because no one wants to buy into that. Isn't it amazing that Demarius Thomas may have more value than a guy like Terry McLaren just because Dwayne Haskins being the quarterback now as opposed to Keenum or, or Colt McCoy. It's just it's just funny how things can flip. If you have a guy like Terry McLaren and he was balling the first eight weeks of the season, wh- what do you do now? Well, I think the thing with McLaurin is he's been a perfect example of how things do tend to even out, how there is that regression to the mean because yeah, he was he, he was balling early in the year, but a lot of it was touchdown production. You know, he did have those two 100-yard games in week one and then week six against the Miami Dolphins where he scored twice. 
But, you know, you, you're just not going to keep up a pace of five five touchdowns with just a few amount of targets he's getting, especially when your quarterback play is, is not great. And that's not to say that he's a bad player because he's not a bad player. He's a good wide receiver. He's a great route runner. You've even been able to see that a couple of times, you know, against Minnesota was a perfect example. We saw him run some really crisp routes, but he comes away with just four for 39. And he actually does that again the week following against Buffalo. And that's another thing to mention, too. I think you can – throw Terry McLaurin out there because, you know, he played with Dwayne Haskins in the last game. He does have familiarity with Haskins. Even if Haskins is kind of a nightmare, you know, from a technical standpoint right now or a preparation standpoint, you can look at the fact that these guys have familiarity with each other. Haskins could just incorporate one deep play to, to Terry McLaurin, and that can make the week. And, like, he's coming off three tough matchups, San Francisco, Minnesota, Buffalo. Those are the last few games he's faced. Those are all good pass defenses. We know that. And now, I mean, the Jets are kind of the opposite of that. They have a ton of problems in the cornerback room right now. So I think if you do need a desperation, a, a, a kind of a touchdown or bust heave, I don't hate McLaurin this week. You just have to realize that there's a lot of volatility with this play and make sure to complement your roster elsewhere. The Redskins are only running like 40-some offensive plays a game, but maybe McLaurin could get involved. Uh, you know, Harmon, other than – if you have the Patriots defense or the Saints defense, you're probably, like many fantasy owners, just looking at the waiver wire, looking at matchups. Is there a good matchup this week from a defensive perspective? Yeah, let's bring it back to the Raiders. I mean, we talked about them with the Bengals. They're getting the, the Bengals in their own building this week. Uh, that is the Raiders building. They'll be there. Uh, the Raiders, you know, they showed last week on Thursday night against your Chargers, Chris, that when they get the pass rush going, they have some players there. They can make some plays in the secondary. And, you know, I don't trust the Raiders to be a consistent defense, but you don't necessarily have to be a consistent defense when you have the offensive line that the Bengals have. And that's what happened to the Chargers last week. They had some injuries up front, and that showed, you know, really poorly against this Raiders team that, you know, was desperate to get a pass rush going. And I, I don't rule it out that this is another week against a rookie quarterback in Ryan Finley behind a bad offensive line with not a lot of weapons to throw to, that they can put up that type of defensive performance again. You know, and quite frankly, there's a lot of appealing matchups in terms of the deep, in terms of defenses out there, too. You can look in that Washington-New York game, and frankly, I think both defenses are in play because of the quarterback play. I think Sam Darnold obviously has a brighter future ahead of him than Dwayne Haskins, but he might have the worst offensive line in front of him, which is saying something because Washington's not doing too great no. in that regard either. So. I think there's a lot of appeal there. And, you know, those are those, that's, a, that's a game where there should be some low-scoring opportunities. There should be some mistakes. And I don't think you, I don't think you can turn your nose up at either defense, even though neither, neither one is a quality unit. All right, Harmon. Finally, Monday Night Football, Chargers-Chiefs. This is like fantasy gold. Uh, if you're looking at the Chargers, is it a must-start when we're talking about Gordon, Eckler, Allen, Hunter Henry, and Phillip Rivers? What do you do with Phillip? 52.5-point total, that's the that's the highest of the week so far in this game. I love this game, obviously, from, from, from a fantasy perspective, but from an NFL perspective, too. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if it's not as high scoring as people think because I think the Chargers right now are really focusing on that ground game. They're really focusing on trying to grind out the clock. They're trying to establish Melvin Ward more. And quite frankly, it's worked the last couple of weeks, especially against Oakland. You, in a low-scoring, slower-paced game, you're going to see the total come down a little bit. And obviously, Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs' offense is tremendous. They can put up 30 points all on their own in a hurry. 
But it wouldn't surprise me if the pace of this game is quicker because you're looking at a team right now in the Chargers that wants to play ball control offense. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs have one of the worst run defenses in the entire NFL. We saw what Derrick Henry did to them last week, and that's pretty much been the trend. Their pass defense has gotten better. Their pass rush has gotten better. But I wouldn't be too surprised if, if that doesn't turn into a big factor because the Chargers just continue to pound the rock with Melvin Gordon. Because right now, frankly, with Chris Jones and Frank Clark healthy, that's going to only make the Chiefs pass rush better. And we already saw that that's a dangerous situation when Philip Rivers is having to drop back too many times and be that much under pressure. So I think you're breaking ties in favor of starting guys in this game. But I don't know that I'm going deep, deep down the line to like the Austin Ecklers of the world. Because Eckler right now, he's a total boomer bust play. He's still getting touchdowns, but he's not getting a lot of work like he was earlier in the season, of course, with Melvin Gordon not there. And even the first couple of weeks with Melvin Gordon back. So Eckler's a guy to be a little bit worried about. Um, Sammy Watkins is not really playing all that well right now, even if the offense is, is back with Patrick Mahomes in full force. So overall, I think this game actually could be lower scoring than we think, especially because it's going to be away from both teams' home stadiums. So that's, that's a huge concern to me. I, I like this game a lot for fantasy, but I think if the Chargers are able to establish that running attack, we could see that the total come under 52 and a half points here. I agree with you. I think the running game, especially on the Chargers side, is going to be really pivotal to, to winning the game you know, outright if you're the Chargers in a must-win yeah. situation. So Matt Harmon, listen, he does it all. He jumps out of planes. He gives fantasy <laughs> advice. He's a go-to for all things NFL at Yahoo Sports. Dude, awesome stuff with Nate Boyer, um, just for a great cause as well. And we'll, we'll keep up with you at Yahoo. Friend of the program, like I said, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. If anyone wants to go check that video out, as I said, it's on my Twitter page at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, and there are links to the two charities I mentioned, Merging Vets, Merging Vets and Players and Operation Jump 22, are, are in, the, in the follow-up tweet there. Definitely check that out, guys. Matt, thanks so much, bud. Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Matt Harmon, Sam McDowell, and our beat writers for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Remember, be sure to subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network. We are now on Spotify and SoundCloud. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Chargers Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy Monday Night Football in Mexico City. And until next time, I'm Chris Hayward.